Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hagan. I'm working at- an Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on the Chuck and Julie Show. Well, everybody, we're from deep winter Colorado. We had summer Wednesday, but now we're in the Arctic season. Yeah. It's uh, Chuck Bonneville, Julie Hayden, the Chuck and Julie Grassroots Show. Truth, truth straight up. That's right. First off, a happy party Friday, everybody. It's party Friday. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. We had a great Thanksgiving here. Um, we go out on Thanksgiving, so I didn't have to cook, which makes it even greater, um, actually, for everyone, since I'm not all concerned. Yeah, for all concerned. Um, coming up here, well, the show, by the way, is brought to you by Mountain West Wellness, Advanced Acupuncture, and Chinese Medicine. Um, and we're going to start off the show with one of our favorites. She's a grassroots hero fighting for us, the valiant fight up at the uh, state uh, capitol, the legislature there, Representative Stephanie Luck. Um, from basically represents several counties, Fremont County, Chafee, Teller, down in Southern Colorado. Um, hey, Steph- hey, Stephanie. Thank you for your time. Hi, guys. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Well, Happy great Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So it was a great special session. The Colorado uh, people got the tax relief. The governor promised, and and we're all set. Or, or is it something different? <laughs> Well, Chuck, I hate to tell you, but I think you need to wake up from your dream. (laughs) (laughs) No, unfortunately, that wasn't what we experienced. The legislature passed seven bills over that four-day period, and I would say none of them really will go to solving the problem facing our, our people and will not provide the tax relief that is necessary in order to, to really relieve the burden that so many folks are experiencing. Right. Well, and so and what we're talking about is with the special session that just ended, Proposition HH was theoretically supposed to uh, relieve skyrocketing property taxes coming up in January, but it was just a bait and switch. So voters overwhelmingly, 60 percent voted it down. But but and, and so so what the Democrats at the legislature did was go ahead and basically essentially pass a, basically what the voters told them they didn't want anyway. I mean, is that sort of a fair assessment there? Um, yes and no, as, as the legalities go, at the end of the day, the people will still have huge property tax bills, and they now will also have other costs that they have to incur that reduce their TAVA refund checks. So, for instance, the earned income tax credit has been expanded out, costing the, the average Coloradan, you know, of their tax fund refund we have rental assistance and the equalization of TABOR refunds, all of these things are done to help just a very small group of people in Colorado and do not honor the fullness of Colorado residents. And unfortunately- No, you got to double. You're going to get your taxes raised an enormous amount. You're going to lose part of your TABOR refund. Um, I want to be clear that that's not what we wanted to happen. I mean, Steph, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. And and of course, even if you get your TABOR refund, um, it will be equalized and so you'll if you own a house worth anything it won't help you any it will hurt you more so it's it's a complete disaster 
If you're uh, for property owner, for homeowners. Well, for everybody, really. Uh, well, I guess rental, maybe. And Jared Polis likes it. Yeah, Jared Polis likes it. But it's, uh, it's, it's, well, it's but amazing. But even in the rental category, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go, go ahead, Tiffany. But, but even in the rental category, the assistance is only for those folks who are at a rate 80% lower, an income rate 80% lower than their medium rate. So that only impacts 20% of any given community that would potentially be able to, to get assistance through this rental program, which one, isn't the role of government to begin with, but two, you are not actually assisting the vast majority of people in, in their struggles. And then to make matters worse, in my view, they created a commission that is going to study the property tax structure from now until March with the expectation that by the end of next session in 2024, an entirely new property tax system will be put forth for, for adoption and more than likely because the majority is driving this particular commission that those views will be adopted and it sounds like they want it to be a progressive tax structure. So it's going to just be um, an additional layer of burden on your middle class. Um, hey, hey, somebody, I think somebody is connecting to the audio, so be, be careful because we have Stephanie on the phone. Well, yeah, I mean, as, as I understand it, basically, so what they did is, like, we're going to get about $20 more, ba- I mean, relief, property tax relief than we would have if they'd done absolutely nothing. Meanwhile, they took basically the most people's Tabor refunds. And and like you said, they, they're making it more equitable, which means most people are going to get screwed. And they absolutely, the irony that I think is here is they they didn't include any relief for commercial properties. So on the one hand, they're going to be spending millions of dollars to give um, rental relief to a very small percentage of people, but the rent's going to go up anyway, because the property, you know, if, if you own a rental property, they didn't get any relief, right? So they're sort of screwing people on one hand and then turning around and giving a teeny bit of money to a very small percentage to, to say, see, look, we care. I mean, is that a fair analysis there? Well, you know, what's really unfortunate is that many of my colleagues only have this view of the most impoverished being important and the rest being able to accept whatever consequence um, is imposed upon and whatever costs are imposed upon them. And when you're talking about the fact that we that the legislature, I shouldn't say we, the legislature <laughs> passed a bill to reduce in a very small way residential property taxes and did nothing to relieve the burden on commercial property taxes. It belies the fact that there's this notion that somehow commercial entities, your 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 horrible capitalists, right, in their mind, don't need any relief. But it it shows the ignorance of the way the economy works and the fact that it is those businesses that you are putting additional strain on, especially your small businesses who are already facing inflationary costs, and you put additional strain on them through this property tax burden, and they're looking to shut down. That means jobs are lost. That means right. economic drivers are lost. It also puts our small and regional banks in a bind. And okay. if you're watching what's going on with some of our small and regional banks across the, the nation and them floundering Many of them have invested in commercial properties. And since 2020, a lot of those commercial properties have become vacant because of the remote work environments that have been pushed. And as a result, when those commercial um, loans come up in this coming year, in 2025, the question will be, are those, are those businesses going to renew those loans at these higher interest rates? Or are they going to walk away? 
thereby putting these banks in a place where they may actually have to um, close down or, or take some sort of remedial measure, get FDIC support, what have you. You can't do any of this work in the economy in a vacuum. You have to look at it as a whole. And unfortunately, that's not what took place. And I believe it's put Colorado in an even worse economic situation. Well, I think you look at what's going on in downtown Denver, right? They can't lease any of the buildings there because downtown has become such a cesspool. Um, and in the meantime, yeah, like you said, they're, they're you know, they're going to be going, I don't know what the right word is, bankrupt, but defaulting. And that somebody somewhere that that affects. I, my question, Stephanie, is so was there any discussion among the Democrats about the Order. fact or the Republican. Well, we'll get to the Republican establishment in a second, but among the Democrats, like the people voted against this. I mean, was there any, or did they just, did they, did they openly say screw the people or did they, I mean, I got the impression that Representative Epps kind of admitted that at one She's point. She's become my favorite new representative. <laughs> I like Elizabeth Epps. You see, tells it like it is. When <laughs> one Republican accused the, the chamber of just doing exactly the opposite of what voters want and overruling them. She said, yeah, that's exactly right. And so, Stephanie, don't tell her that. Don't tell the people. And then she, coming from a heavily Jewish district, um, decided to go full anti-Semite and uh, just an amazing woman, really, in her own right. Well, you know, honestly, I, I respect people who people who stick by their convictions even if i do not agree with their convictions yeah and i think that more people in the realm of governance should stick to their convictions should know them and stick to them even when they get a lot of pushback well that's well well, that's why i like her so much she's true to her anti-semite and and hating the voter kind of views is there, was there any discussion among the Democrats or acknowledgement that they were doing exactly what voters, the Elizabeth overwhelming majority, Elizabeth um, F did. Well, I mean, yeah, did they did they acknowledge she that, did. that they were essentially screwing voters over? She did. I don't believe that they think in those terms. That's not what they're believing that they're doing. They they see the state as the means by which to equalize the playing field for all, and so the work that they did is very much consistent with many of their views of creating utopia. So I don't, I don't think they think in those terms, Julie. They don't, well, in other words, they don't think in terms of what voters want, right? They of just think in terms of their, of their utopia. You thing. can't do utopia. Hey, for once, Laura, um, Laurel and one of our listeners says that, so the task force members that they're going to be putting together, um, can we put forth recommendations? It, it's my understanding that the task force members are going to be made up of the same people who just gave us this debacle coming out of the special session, right? Well, uh, the task force members have to be appointed by Sunday, the 26th. It is well known within the legislature that they've already been identified largely. So while one might be able to go and pursue the the appointers, uh, whether that's the governor or different uh, groups, labor unions, et cetera, more than likely they're already decided and, and do, you know, signed on the dotted line because they have to be done by November 26th. Many of the people who are appointed to this, the, the class of people, the group of people that are appointed to it, are, are government actors. They're not your property owners. And I think that that is a travesty. And when I brought it up to the bill sponsor that there needed to be a balance, I was yeah. told that um, in his experience, people who have a, a, an investment, a financial investment in any of these task forces gum up the work. And what oh. I didn't get him to understand was that 
the small, the special districts, the local governments, the state governments, all of these actors that are on this task force, they all have a financial incentive. Yeah. They all have a financial investment in this conversation. It's just from the revenue side. We needed to have people who were actually on the um, the giving side, right, to also yeah. have their represented and that was not heard that was not heeded but, well as, as a practice it's, 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 you know, it's, it's just gum up the works in do. general they're, they're dumb yeah. they're dumb um it's it's 2024 is is shaping up um much like what people hoped for 22 but didn't occur but you're going to have lots of people who do not pay much attention and with no real daily papers anymore um they're going to be shocked with the massive tax increase that they're going to have in January. Trump looks like he's doing great uh, across the country and even not too badly in Colorado. And so this might be a perfect time um, for the Republicans to put over some initiatives and referendums. Um, what I'm afraid is Republicans never quite get it right. Um, I think there's a push now to stop gender mutilation and, you know, all the ones which just really uh, prevents progressives from sterilizing their own children. Um, but if you put an initiative saying, oh, I don't know, uh, tax relief and another real tax relief and another one saying no uh, ballot harvesting, uh, which would change the state enormously, um, that could be incredibly effective. But why do I get the feeling we won't get a no ballot harvesting one going, oh, no, we don't, that's too far. We don't want to do something that actually helped the Republican Party. Um, and let's be clear, we're not talking about people like Stephanie on this. No, no, no. no. Stephanie's one of the, one of the, you know, 10, the good people uh, down at the legislature. M- but, like five. But, but no. you know, I'll, I'll certainly be talking to people in the executive committee saying this is your golden chance. Don't do what what complete Colorado wants to do, don't do what the Independence Institute do, which is put on referendum that really don't change things, put a referendum on no ballot harvesting. And people this people are going to be mad. Mad. And it could actually, who knows, pass and actually make an enormous difference um, for equalizing um, party power throughout the state. So uh, I'm trying to, trying to, uh, um, Ensure that you'll be for that, the no ballot harvesting <laughs> initiative. I I would be for anything that establishes true election integrity in Colorado. And there have been a number of ideas that have been floated my way. We'll see if any of them actually get legs and, and have petitions. In terms of thinking differently, I will just note that the bill that I put forth during the special session was for a task force as well. This task force would look at how to restructure the entire tax code to eliminate all forms of taxes and fees to preclude all revenue sources from going to any level of state or local government apart from a sales tax. This is very similar to the Neil Bortz ideas of the late 90s, early 2000s, where you just have a a flat sales tax and it funds everything, but then it frees up and unleashes the rest of the economy. It allows you no longer to have to, to lease your property from the state to make your decisions based off of your your um, career decisions based off of the income bracket that you would be in, and otherwise just make very transparent the tax burden on people. And if 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 all of those elements were worked out through this task force, then a ballot initiative could be put forth to have a Tabor 2.0, where you have the same protections as Tabor, wherein you're not allowed to take from the people more than the established rate. 
uh, that everything has to be out and open, but that we streamline into this one area. Unfortunately, while um, Representative Epps was the Democrat who voted in favor of that bill, she was the only one, and so it died in committee. But I did think it was a necessary conversation to have uh, yes. in order to just re-examine what are we doing and why do we do it, and is it actually beneficial or are we just doing what has always been done and working within prior constructs, which I think, unfortunately, many um, in, in and outside of the legislature do too often. Do, did your Republican colleagues agree? My Republican colleagues on the committee all voted for it, and two of them were actually co-sponsors of the bill. Oh, there you go. Let me ask you about this because we'd be remiss. And I know, and, and Stefan, you're such a nice person, so I don't mean to put you on the spot with this. But I know um, Dave Williams, the Colorado GOP chair, um, put out a nice letter sort of summarizing things, the good, bad, and the ugly. And he said one of the bad things was besides the Democrats just ramming this, you know, through, but essentially it's just a repurposed Proposition HH. Um, he noted that there were some, not you got, not you, but some sort of the caucus, the GOP caucus leadership was pushing essentially for more government spending. They were just going to take it from a general reserve fund. And he he was, his point was backfill. backfill. And he said, the only people who need to be backfilled are the Colorado taxpayers. You want to comment on that at all? Well, I mean, you have to think of it. If the average property tax bill went up 40%, that means, and let's just say, for sake of argument, which we all know is not true, but according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the inflation rate is currently 4%. That means that local governments get a windfall 10 times the percentage of their actual increase of cost. And so if you think about that, if you think that I, I normally spend $1,000 in my property tax, so the local governments only get $1,000 from me, but this coming year, they're going to get $1,400 from me when really all they needed was $1,040 in order to continue at the level of services they were already giving me, that means they're getting $360 more than they actually need. What are they doing with that $360? Are they going to- Oh, they've got some good good stuff for for us all. What are they going to put that into? And and is it going to be in some form of capital that is long-term infrastructure capital that- they won't need year over year or are they going to build out more projects are they going to hire more people so that when the housing market goes back down which we all know it will and the tax go back down they're going to now be looking to us to increase their mill levies to meet the rate that they're at right now because they got a windfall and so the question becomes how much does the local government actually need out of this property tax increase to maintain the services that they have and why would we be giving them more than is necessary to maintain that level, especially in a time when our families are struggling? Why would we do that? And so I think that was the question that was being debated. And if you're going to do that, if you want to give the local governments this windfall, where do those dollars come from? And, And that's really the crux of the conversation. And I fell on the side of give the local governments what they need in order to satisfy their current rate, right? That $1,040. Um, and and return the rest to the people. Do not use other taxpayer dollars, uh, uh, other pockets of their money and their resources in order to further enlarge government and expand services, especially, first of all, because I don't believe that we should be doing a lot of the things that government does. But secondly, because if you're going to do that, it should not be done at a time when everyone else is right. austere, when right. everybody else is tightening their belts. 
Well, and call me crazy, but I'm pretty sure that part of the whole Republican philosophy is smaller government, not just, um, just, just call me crazy, lot. but I thought that was part of sort of a general thing there. So well, let me ask you this, heading into 2024, I mean, it, it, and I think Chuck is right, that the silver lining may be that the Democrats are going to make everybody so mad that this could be a good opportunity for Republicans to get through things like, you know, ballot harvesting measures, things like that. But they won't. They'll, 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 they'll waste it. Chuck, we can they'll waste it. For a while. But let me ask you, I mean, uh, to me, what is particularly alarming, and we've seen this, I mean, I used to be at the Capitol where they would ignore, I mean, people would wait for hours to testify and they, they would ignore them, they would mock them. Um, the Democrats would. I, I mean, clearly, but uh, to me, this 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 total in your face, voters, they, they rejected at the ballot, so they pass it anyway. I'm wondering, are the Democrats, do you fear, going to be just out of control at the legislature? I mean, oh, next year is going to be great. 2024, the parade of horribles or what do you I mean, people, I'm sure, are putting bills and things together already. Um, What are you what are you I guess your prediction or your concerns about 2024 legislative session? Uh, Well, I'm an eternal optimist, so I'm hoping (laughs) that we don't have a worse session than we had in 2023, but but I dare say that yes, there will be even more egregious items on the on the docket. Even though so many of the people I work with say, "Well, it can't get much worse," or "It can't get worse," and then it seems always to do. It can always get worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about are you guys? I'm hoping people like you, um, and and you and your staff do a good job at outreach and messaging. And 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 I would say I think Dave Williams and the current GOP leadership does a great job at messaging too. I mean, I I think that this is a well. Would you agree, number one, that this could indeed there could Chuck's pessimism aside, sort of. Well, just, my uh, Yeah, well, yeah, that this could be um, a time when Republicans could really hone their message and really, you know, communicate with people and say, look, you want to save this state, you need to send more Republicans to the legislature. Otherwise, this is what you're going to keep getting and worse. Well, I would just caveat, we have to send people to the legislature who understand genuinely what the role of government is and what our founders intended. Article 5, Section 34 of the state constitution precludes dollars from going to any entity that's not solely within the control of the state government, any person, corporation, any entity for charitable, educational, or benevolent purposes. And yet, both sides of the aisle constantly are spending money, millions upon millions of dollars, to engage in programs that are not the role of government and make dependence in in thought and indeed the people of Colorado. And so I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in just sending one particular party or another, frankly, to legislature. Okay. I want people who understand what good governance is, who understand the, what I call institutional pluralism, that there are other social institutions, other aspects of society that exist for a reason to take care of certain things and that we need to empower them to do what they are designed to do. And that the more the government takes from them, that incentivizes power and says, we got this, we don't need you, the worse our society gets, the more narcissistic, the more selfish. And we need to break that down. We need to go back to a, a true founding understanding of what the role of government is and what the role of the rest of society is. And it's those people, I think, that will provide the necessary contrast to say, you know, no, we're not heartless individuals because that's how Republicans have been characterized. It's not that I don't want people 
getting assistance to live in their homes and not be evicted. But whose role and responsibility is this? And only those who have really grappled with that and come out on the other side and realize that the state is not our savior are the people who I think are actually going to help Colorado flourish again. Well, Well, one good thing, um, and we'll talk about it a a bit later, but in Argentina, which has been under the sway of socialists uh, for over about 100 years, um, and 55% of the workforce is employed by the national government. You know, forget how much are employed by the provincial and local government. Uh, they voted for somebody who wants to cut the government ministries in half, wants yeah. to require no deficit spending by getting rid of the central bank and adopting the, the dollar. And he won 55% of the vote. So there is a hope. From a, from a society that's been attached to socialism, that if you get truly bad enough, uh, people do notice. Um, we're never sure when the breaking point yeah, is. But, uh, <laughs> at least at least in one country in the world, uh, I've elected somebody who's promised to do what Republicans always promised to do, which is to cut the sides of government and, and bring the full force of, of the free market uh, to bear. And will he be able to do it? Maybe, maybe not, but at least the... the uh, majority of the electorate has said that's what they'd like so who knows maybe another 80 years or so colorado lawmakers you guys will be back in the majority stephanie (laughs) hey let me let's let me uh, just a couple two more things i mean anything else that we haven't asked because i know you got you had such insight into what was going on at the session this anything we haven't asked that you would want to point out or you know that you are that you think people need to know um I think for with respect to the special session, one of the things that's really important is the procedural defects of yeah. rushing governance. We, I heard, I had my bill heard in committee on the very first day on the Friday, and we had to actually postpone or recess the committee for probably an hour, I'd say, because there was concern that anything that was passed would actually become open to legal suit because it hadn't yet the bills themselves had not been yet posted on the website for the public to view and we had some folks who had come down to the legislature to testify who were trying to get their hands on copies of these bills and even for us as legislators some of the legislators voluntarily released their bills in advance but a number of them did not and so as members of 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 the legislature were going to committee. They were reading these bills that they were going to be asked to vote on in five or 10 minutes. And I think it's important for your listeners to recognize that process is just as important as substance. And when yeah. you have a process that is so hidden in that regard, where nobody even knows what really is being considered or is on the docket. And in one case, there was a bill and it had a complete, what we call a strike below. So the bill that was introduced basically two seconds later became an entirely new bill. How, how do you manage that? How do you speak intelligently? How do you engage and, and either share support or, or you know, yeah. um, issue opposition if you can't, even, you can't even read it, if you can't even access it? And we see these kinds of things. We also see, in many ways, a disparity of treatment. So Representative Bottoms, you know, we had, we had pro-Palestinian protesters in the House disrupt the proceedings for probably a good 10 minutes. And some of that time it was chanting, but some of that time it was individuals issuing a monologue from the gallery. And they were given three, five minutes to issue their complaints about what's going on in Israel, which 
frankly, again, the lack of fact that they don't understand jurisdiction and the fact that the state of Colorado has <laughs> no authority in this <laughs> <much> <laughs> <laughs> Um But but they were all allowed that. And then no. the Speaker of the House in, uh, at first was not even willing to allow for the state patrol to remove these individuals. There was some body language that was conveyed between the state patrol in the gallery and the speaker on the floor that conveyed to any real observer that she was not interested in having them removed at first. And then as they're being removed, the the conversation, the speaker just affirms, you know, we want to hear from you as the public. We want to hear from you. Please come to our offices and speak. And we're on third reading. Third reading is a sacred time during the House proceedings wherein everybody is expected to be there no extraneous noises are expect are allowed on the floor nobody's allowed to talk on the floor everybody's supposed to be listening to the the short persuasive comments that are being issued by their colleagues as a final plea to vote one way or the other and it was during this sacrosanct time that the speaker said if you're wanting to go and speak with these protesters feel free to go down to this committee room you guys can have these conversations and we'll pause for the vote in order to allow you to have enough time. Now, to would they have allowed up. you to do that? Do you think, you know, well, so, here's the answer to that question, because there was no opportunity given to, to respond to the protesters in any way, but positive. And that was the narrative that was pushed on the floor. And so when representative bottoms got up to speak on the first bill on third, he wove into his comments a, a response to the protesters being on the floor. And he was given probably no more than 10 or 20 seconds uh, before he was gaveled down and removed from the podium and, re- and banned from speaking for the rest of that day. But if you're a pro-Hamas... For the heads. Uh, listen, Stephanie... It, they, Sounds like a lot of fun down there. Aren't you so glad you decided to... <laughs> Get elected. <laughs> you and you're and you're going to be busy too. I think congratulations are in order, right? As I understand it, you and your husband expecting a baby here pretty much any time now, right? <laughs> we are indeed. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, well, best of luck and uh, hope for a healthy child. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. Right. Stephanie, like they're fighting the good fight of the yep. state legislature. We've had so many comments here. We want to be. Let's see from Jacob. Um. From, okay. Oh, okay. Elon Musk. Yeah. Jacob, we talk about this is again a hero by suing media matters and exposing the dark money and where it comes from. Um, and then from Sandra. So the Democrats are doing their dirty tricks again. And also from Jacob, the big problem for the Democrats in the Colorado legislature is if the, if the price of properties comes down, then the rate of tax revenue goes down. When the real estate markets start to recover, then Tabor will not allow the rate of tax revenue to go up more than 2% annually. Um, and then from Sandra talking about Stephanie, I really admire and thank her for running and getting elected to being in the Colorado legislature. Um, and then Jacob, again, to all the Dems who are against Israel getting $3 billion a year in military help, Lockheed Gunman, a Colorado corporation, gets a share of that money. Oh, well, yeah. Conditions put on it. Well, I mean, what she's talking about is appalling. But I think, Chuck, you and I want you to talk a little bit about that. The, the Democrats don't even care anymore. They they don't even pretend they anymore. They, I mean, so they just openly, if you want to go out in the gallery like Representative Epps did and support these pro-Hamas, pro-genocide Please. people, that's Feel fine. Free. But Feel then free. if you want to, you know, if you're a Republican and you want to say something on the other side, not right, then that's not allowed. They ignore the will of the voters openly, don't even care. Yep. Um, and I think, 
um, you know, I think that all the kind of horrible things we've heard about are going to go through. But like you said, this is perfect timing. And I know the collateral concerned people are putting through a, probably a ballot initiative to, yeah, to affect property taxes. But like you said, it doesn't go to the crux of what some of the problems are. And and I think you're right. This would be a perfect time to kind of talk about the ballot harvesting because all kinds of people now, in spite of what the media keeps saying, the conspiracy theories and QAnon and, and all that ridiculousness, the vast majority of people say, yeah, there was something kind of funny going on in the elections, you, you know. Where- well, you know, Steph, one of Stephanie's points was that uh, process is an, right. as, as important as substance. Um, that is a lesson that Republicans never learn and never get. Um, and so right now over at the Independence Institute, they're coming up with, you know, some whoop-dee-doo one that will not change the fact that the process is corrupt in Colorado. And so getting rid of ballot harvesting, uh, and that's probably fairly popular. Who knows? You won't be able to get rid of uh, mail-in ballots, but you could get rid of ballot harvesting. Um, And you need to put it up there because that would change Colorado enormously, that people don't understand ballot harvesting and and the fact that even if Republicans do it, and they have to with the present one, they cannot overcome that the fact that it's so much more effective in urban areas where Democrats are than rural areas where Republicans are. Um, so it, it'd be good if, if somebody would get a brain. Uh, and <laughs> oh, that amendment out. number two. Bonneville <laughs> Amendment number two. That's right. The other one failed. So we'll, this one probably will too. But but it is. It was a good fight. Well, it's the only, you know, I'll give myself credit. Um, I was the only one who proposed that we change all the hideous rules they imposed upon us for getting rid of a uh, of a prim- open the- primaries and so forth. And and actually, we had some uh, Bonnie Well Light for the rules, pro- or a, an amendment, actually, which helps a little bit. So Republicans just need to figure out why process well, matters so much. Because we see Kent Fury is now, he's the one who got yes, us yes, the rank whole, voting. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. He is pushing, and it's going to probably be on the ballot of course it's gonna be on. in, in 2024, yeah. right? He's going to get the signatures to have essentially jungle primaries. That's it. Yeah. So you just, there's no Republican, no Democrat. Um, and, you know, of course, it'll be a Democrat. I mean, that, that would just be a, it's no, a disaster Cal- everywhere else. California would do. Right, exactly. So, I mean, Republicans got to be keeping their eyes open. But but they can't always keep their eyes open for the next awful thing the Democrats are going to do. They've got to come up as what's the next awful thing we're going to do. Yes. Well, and this is the perfect time because I'm kind of shifting talk a little bit nationally. You guys, you need to be worried. CNN says that the recent election in the Netherlands shows that the populist problem in oh. Europe is not going away. Oh now, you God. may not have realized there was a populist problem. You might have thought, Wait, isn't that a good thing? But no, no, no it's a problem. What did the Associated Press, um, the Associated Press call the 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 guy, uh, um, Geert Wilders? Is that how you say Wilders. it? Okay. Who, Dutch who, is very much like German. W is pronounced like V and the G is pronounced. It's Het Wilders. Okay. And he leads the Party for Freedom in the Netherlands, which won massive massively and um the associated press referred to him as an anti-islam populist yes there he is there is a populist but the populist movements we've got this guy and and they got 37 seats i guess in the in which the- is double what they got last time and that's under most european democracies seats change like one or two and and polling is incredibly accurate and you're almost never off uh in the netherlands it's just opposite Parties come in, 
like they had a farmer's party that run all the provincial elections a year ago and it just tanked. Um, and so in Netherlands, the one place you can all of a sudden go from almost nothing to, to greatness. And here they've been around a long time. I think that Wilders has been, been in 25 years right. in the legislature. Um, I got to sit next to Het. Oh, that's right. Um, we're like this. We're like this um, at the Republican convention. I was there in doing 2016. The, 2016. I was doing the show in the morning with Peter. We were co-hosting it. Or I was assisting him. I'm not sure what it was, but <laughs> um, but at any rate, it, uh, during the actual one, I'd be in the, up in the cheap seats because I wasn't a delegate, and I was there with Kurt and his three bodyguards who were just great guys, and they're very beefy, very mean kind of looking guys, but they're fun to talk. And Kurt was great to talk to. He he loved Trumps, and and uh, he was booing uh, Ted Cruz when he got up there, and it was <laughs> it was pretty much fun. So I had a, I had a good time with Kurt. Well, and and he, you know they call him anti-Islam, and and. What, well, he is, well, huh? well, he's not really anti-Islam. I think he's anti-illegal um, immigration, right? No, and no, the mass is he okay? Well, he I wants can... to ban mosques. He wants to. He wants to uh, uh, prevent headscarves, and he wants to prevent. Well, I think what he wants schools. to do is he wants to be to to maintain and preserve the culture, the Netherlands culture there, right? And as well, that's being anti-Islam. Oh, that's being anti-Islam. <laughs> and there, I'm going to play a soundbite with him. So the reason he won, I would submit, is because all over the world, we're seeing what, what we had our guest, Ken Raposa, talk about the other day. People are despising the elite who are trying to tell us what they're to gov- do, yeah. and, sh- and the government, and they're shoving all this stuff down. They're they're opposing the fact that, you know, what in New York City, or Chicago, it was some of the, the Africa, the Black people who were there to get the free um, Thanksgiving meals were complaining because they had to wait in line behind the illegal immigrants who were getting the free, getting their free meals. And they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute getting here. fed up. And then apparently there is something known as a Moroccan mafia in um, the oh, Netherlands. Yeah. I mean, then the crime there um, committed by these people, these immigrants is outrageous. And I'm going to play a bite. And this is a good, I mean, this is why the guy got elected. He makes perfect sense. So if we could please play the uh, Wilders soundbite, Thomas. The Wilders, the Wilders soundbite. Moroccans are overrepresented enormously in the Dutch crime statistics. More than 60% of the Moroccan youth under the age of 23 has been arrested by the Dutch police they are in general when it comes to violent street crimes 20 times off more often being arrested on many crimes but if a given society has a problem with members of one particular group is it wise for a politician to ostracize the whole group well you know it's wise to tell the truth i did not invent that people from morocco are overrepresented in the statistics. Is that high rate of crime because these people are Moroccan? Or is that also because they are unemployed? I'm not a psychologist or sociologist. I don't care why people are criminal. I mean, that makes sense. It's like, I don't care. It's like they're committing crimes at the mass of the high rate. So that's not bring them, keep bringing them into our country. It's but like- he, he was arrested for those remarks and found guilty in a Dutch court. Um, and, uh, but the judge said, well, I won't give you any penalty. Uh, but so that tells you, you know, telling the truth is not uh, necessarily no, true. And they had just some of the comments. Was it Ken Theory that proposed the open primaries yes, to begin with? Yes, yes Charlene. Um, and then from Jacob, from Zero Hedge, um, gloom falls over Ukraine as recruitment dwindles and Israeli war steals the spotlight. I know, I know he's going to have to get another Vogue shoot, I think, Vogue magazine that'll, shoot. That'll get a lot of people to, because uh, a huge number of Ukrainian males that are outside of the country and they're all dying to get well, be part of the meat grinder. And there are not too many... <laughs> too many um 
volunteers from other countries these days uh, wanting yeah. to put, put in the meat grinder. So it's, no, it's the, pretty the, tough. Here from Charlene, the biggest globalist power grabs COVID, the January 6th inside job, Ukraine and the Israel inside job. Well, and, and, you know, um, the, and that's all, how do I say, the globalists, um, I think people are waking up to what they're doing. Um, and that's why you're seeing this pushback. And that's where they're, they're concerned with CNN calls it Europe's populist problem. Problem. I mean, and that's nothing compared to the United States populist problem with Donald Trump and Trump. And once again, all of us pesky voters. So Argentina's populist problem and New Zealand's populist problem and a lot of populist problems going up there. Chuck has been obsessing over this. um, Once again, the people in Australia did not fall for the song. Well, they usually do. They're suckers for it. But uh, three days ago, they had a uh, referendum. It was a yes and no on the indigenous voice. Indigenous people have a voice in the parliament. Um, in Australia. In Australia. And everybody, oh, sure, that should have a voice. It's fine. Yeah, give them a voice, you know. But, of course, it's never what it expects you to be. It's, in fact, forming a Aborigine parliament who would um, engage in the labor government in a treaty, which would give the indigenous people uh, control over, you know, lands that they were stolen from and and you may have thought you bought the house but you have to pay rent to the indigenous people and oh, no. it would be an, it's reparations on steroids oh yeah and and they had a they had a what's called a ulu uh statement from the heart um and of course it's oh it's such great stuff you know statement so from the heart everybody and so you had to say you're for the yes you could not say you were against it so they had Every major athlete, rugby, cricket, every major organization from the rugby union to the soccer federation, they had every corporation, no corporation opposed it, vast majority supported it. Even being neutral was considered an act of betrayal and racism. Um, you sort of saw the discussion with about Moroccan, well, of course, the... Uh, the Aborigines also have an enormous arrest rate, incarceration rate, and they kind of go, well, that's because they're committing... Most of the, a lot of crimes. Nope. Uh, no, no. But the, the Aborigines represent about 3% of Australian population. But it was just everybody came out for the referendum, which if they said, well, what does that exactly mean? They go, don't worry about the particulars. <laughs> we handle that. Saying, well, yeah. you just vote for it. You find out when you've, that's not up to you. You just say yes, and then we're off to the races. Um and, and the and vote came, behold. 60% voted against. And everybody said, that, that's just so sad. So, so pathetic. We can't do something decent for, for, uh, the, and of course, it was another way the left would control even when it was out of office. If the left was out of office, they'd still control uh, the uh, Aborigine parliament. And so it'd be all set, but they voted against it 60, 40. Um, and, and everybody's so sad that the, the Australian Broadcasting Network and, and the Guardian Australia, they're crying, they're weeping, and they've declared this as a pirate victory uh, for Peter Dutton and, and the conservatives, um, or the nationalists, uh, because if you are on the right, there's only two results. You may lose 
or you may have a pirate victory. Uh, but you never, you never have a victory. It's the pirate victory. <laughs> that the people vote. Well, and what is telling about that? And again, Which means the victory that will cost you the ultimate war. And this is the populist problem that they're all moaning about, all the elites, is um, that the people have woken up, right? And the people, that there wasn't any you know direct opposition to this, but the people were like, I just don't think that that seems like a good idea. So we're going to vote. No. Well, I didn't even know what the idea was, but they, you could just see all the guy. <laughs> you have to, and they had wonderful shirts. Got to get one. Yes, it's all colors. It was taken from the uh, love, not hate uh, thing that hated everybody over in England, but it was a big success. So people, um, the people are waking up, and that's a good news. And so well, we'll see. It was good that they kind of got, we don't care what every major institution, arts, literature, uh, health groups all said yes. We're saying no. Right. Um, COVID and Charlene, to your point about you know COVID being one of the the you know yeah. the power grabs. It's in Colorado, although this year I saw a thing for that has one of the lowest vaccine rates ever for kids going into school. Now, why do you think that is? Right. I mean, all these parents were like, you know, well, you know, of course, vaccines. The government tells us they're healthy. The CDC recommends it, and people are like, no, if the CDC recommends it, yeah. then I'm not doing. I'm going to do the opposite. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, you have all of these things that are going on. And I think, you know, and again, Donald Trump keeps rising in the polls. Joe Biden keeps, and Joe Biden keeps trying to tell us that the economy is good and people are like, But you have a chance with Nikki Haley. She's kind of becoming the, the, (laughs) and then they showed all these things where she's, she got into politics of Hillary Clinton and all this great stuff. So if you're, and, then, and to hear though, I want like as Charlene said, the Romans brought in migrants to destabilize uppity provinces. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Charlene, actually, that's a great point. I saw Fox anymore. Sometimes their website is is, is yeah, yeah, that's a kind word for it. But they did have a good column up there today, and I agree with this. A lot of this stuff that we're seeing from Antifa to the pro-Palestinians, it's it's all the same actors when you get down to it and it's all being funded by the same dark, dark money. money and the point is these are not people they don't care about antifa they don't care about black lives matter they don't care about palestinians they're basically for hire and they're point they're being hired to destabilize the culture and the government so theoretically then we will turn to the government and say please save us from all of the well they chaos. pointed out in the australian referendum that they had thousands and thousands of volunteers where the the nose had almost no volunteers. The only thing they didn't quite point out is that on the left, they have all this money to pay the volunteers. And on the right, they have no money, so they can't pay the volunteers. So, and as we kind of wrap up here, Jacob says he's got to go. Happy Thanksgiving all. So yeah, happy Thanksgiving to all. There are plenty of things to be grateful for, but this is party Friday. So I did find kind of a funny video. You could be grateful that this person was not. Is your child. (laughs) This is your child in a couple of years of public education coming up. Clips of TikTok found this influencer on TikTok. So if we could please play this is your child the grateful up. sound. Not right now, but in a couple of years of yeah. schooling. The grateful sound bite. This Thanksgiving, I am personally giving thanks that my family is already well aware that I am not a keep the peace girly, and that if they say anything remotely racist, misogynistic, transphobic, or otherwise inflammatory and gross, I will be starting some shit. And finishing some shit. What are you grateful for today? It's like, I am grateful. I am grateful that that is not my kid. Can you imagine? I mean, you feel bad because if you're a parent, you got to love your kids. You got to try at least. Not that one. You have this daughter come in. And and, and with that kind of thing, yeah, Thomas is saying, this is my generation help. I don't know. 
please don't date someone like that your dad your uncle i don't know what would happen they would have to their heads would explode well and they say that the the dating is down i can say why can you imagine having a conversation that people from sandra she needs to be slapped upside or flipping head oh oh, sandra she's gonna that would be she does not tolerate that kind of stuff I, i you know and again this is from the generation you have to be you know live and let live but there's no live and let live and you just know in her mind what is remotely whatever remotely gross i guess she didn't even she couldn't even but it was remotely she's gonna end that shit too <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, so, what a pleasant lovely lovely lady guess she doesn't help cook or clean probably doesn't do her own laundry probably lives in her parents house still. and maybe i'm over generalizing no, i doubt it i'd give you a hundred to one on that one there's another one where this one young woman similar was whining and on tiktok about having a job where she had to like work so <laughs> I, 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 I get home and i didn't have any time to to swim and go out partying and then i gotta get up in the morning I I didn't, why didn't somebody tell me about work this is awful but she wasn't even she just wanted people to change it right just yeah. fitting into her lifestyle so we should all be thankful we can all be thankful that, that that's not that that's not our kid i mean that's good but she's coming no she's not i keep saying yeah okay tug on your piercings exactly and then sandra says yeah she, that she would cause that girl she had to work from nine to four hey guys that's going to do it for us on this party friday um and we are thankful for all of you and yeah we are and Thomas. appreciate it and we want to thank stephanie luck and all those who are fighting the good fight down the legislature which is not too many of them but there are some great ones like her and scott bottoms and some others that's right so everybody else have a great weekend and have we'll fun. See, we'll see you all on watch, Monday. Watch for your kids. See if you're seeing any transformation. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you on Monday. Bye-bye.